Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Hey, friends. Thanks for joining our podcast. I want to tell you about something really new and exciting called Patreon.com slash BP Show. It's a great way to get uh, exclusive interviews with newsmakers, voicemails, personalized videos, political commentary, and early access to a special podcast called The Making of Bernie Sanders. Go to patreon.com slash BP show, patreon.com slash BP show. Giving you everything you need to fight the Trump administration. This is the Bill Press Show live at youtube.com slash the Bill Press Show. I love the dreamers. I love the dreamers so much. I want to deport all 800,000 of them. That's what Donald Trump said yesterday. What a buffoon. What a clown. What a cruel, cold-hearted ignoramus in the White House. Does that sort of sum it up? Hello, everybody. What do you say? It is uh, Wednesday, believe it or not. Wednesday, September 6th. Got a short week, remember, because it's Labor Day. It was a big holiday. Great to see you today. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Bill Press Show, coming to you live from our nation's capital and our studio on Capitol Hill, reaching out to you with all the news of the day from Washington, around the country, around the globe, and from the Caribbean, where Hurricane Irma, trying to outdo Hurricane Harvey, headed through uh, the Caribbean today. It looks like it could be a direct hit on the Virgin Islands, maybe Cuba, and then the tip of Florida, and who knows where it goes where she goes from there. Uh, We'll be watching, bringing you all the news of the day with uh, our guest today and looking forward to hearing from you as what you think about it all. Give us a holler on Twitter at BP Show. Uh, Remember, yeah, he's up. He's probably already tweeting this morning. I haven't checked my phone the last couple of minutes, but don't leave Twitter to Donald Trump. Let's take Twitter back. Take our country back. Take Twitter back. Send us your comments on Twitter at BP Show. Our big stories, yes, Hurricane Arma, Irma, uh, DACA yesterday, as expected, the president, I mean, Jeff Sessions making that announcement. Still lots of worries about what's up next with North Korea. And Hillary Clinton says, don't blame me for losing, blame Bernie Sanders. All of that coming up. But first... This is the Full Court Press. Just a couple of other stories for you on this Wednesday morning. We begin with the latest on Hurricane Irma. Early this morning, Irma's eyes, excuse me, Irma's eye stared directly at the tiny island of Barbuda. Not Barbados, but Barbuda. In fact, Irma's eye, bigger than the island itself. Uh, Mm. It's packing winds right now of 185 miles an hour, marking it as one of the most powerful storms ever recorded in the Atlantic. 
It's mm -hmm. scary, man. Uh, islands currently in its path include Puerto Rico, Puerto Rico, Antigua, St. Kitts, and Nevis. Uh, the worst news and here, US, perhaps... And the U.S. Virgin Islands. And the U.S. Please. Virgin yeah. Islands as well, who uh, they have uh, installed a curfew there at the U.S. Virgin Islands. We'll have a congress, the congresswoman from the yep. U.S. Virgin right. Islands right. on the show later on today. <laughs> Big scary thing here, though, is that there's another hurricane right behind it. Tropical Storm Jose is expected to be named officially a hurricane tonight. So you've got Irma, you've got Jose. We still don't know, really... Uh, what the impact is going to be on Florida, which is where it could be headed yeah, this weekend. Right, right. In fact, the NFL has already moved uh, Miami Dolphins, Tampa Bay Buccaneers game. They still don't know. Actually, they don't know where they're going to play it yet. They've just mm -hmm. announced that they will not be playing it in Florida. Uh, on the sports beat, staying on the sports beat here, my Boston Red Sox got in a little trouble last night. Did you read this, Bill? I did. I was going to talk about that. I didn't think you uh, you would. No, it's okay. It's uh, you know, yeah. I'm going to man up and uh, go ahead and read this story here. Uh, this story, by the way, reported in the New York Times by Michael Schmidt. Do you know who, uh, what other stories Michael Schmidt broke? Uh, no. Michael Schmidt broke the Hillary private server story. Oh, uh, and he also yeah. broke the Comey letter. Uh, oh, he's quite okay. a varied reporter here. But here's the story: the Boston Red Sox, Major League Baseball's Boston Red Sox, used an Apple Watch mm -hmm. to gain advantage over the New York Yankees in their latest series last weekend. I don't so, know how they do that. So the the player, the batter, has an Apple Watch, and somebody from the dugout tells him which pitch is coming. One of the coaches has an Apple Watch. So yeah. one of the coaches has an Apple Watch in the dugout because they have somebody looking at the catcher yeah. reading the pitcher's signs. Right. But how does the coach get the word to the batter? They have their own signals in the dugout oh. based on what they receive on the Apple Watch, and they give it to the batter. Supposedly that gained some unfair advantage, but the Red Sox lost the series. You so. know what Jamal Simmons says? If you're not cheating... It's the Patriot way, baby. You're not winning. It's the <laughs> Patriot way. On your radio, on TV, and online, this is the Bill Press Show. Yes, how about it? As he promised, Donald Trump. Making his big announcement yesterday on the Dreamers program. No, actually, that's not true. That was fake news. Okay, here it is. As he promised, <laughs> Donald Trump chickened out yesterday on DACA. He didn't have the guts to make the announcement himself. He let Jeff Sessions do it because he knew it was a political hot potato. And he thought he could trick us into uh, thinking that he had nothing to do with this. It was just Jeff Sessions. And uh, the Congress, uh, not the case at all. Hello, everybody. What do you say? It is a Wednesday, September 6th. This is the Bill Press Show. Good to see you today. Thank you for joining us with lots and lots and lots to talk about as we come to you live on YouTube, youtube.com slash the Bill Press Show. Good to see you there and great to see you on Free Speech TV as well. And excited to join you on the great progressive voice uh, booming out all over the Chicago area on WCPT. We are with you. We love you. And we will not deport you for listening to the uh, Bill Press Show. By the way, check out our podcast. We're getting trying to get those podcast numbers up in September. Tell all your friends. Make sure you go there. Sign up and rate and review us when you go to the podcast, which you can find at Bill Press Show. 
Com. And in fact, while you're at it, if you don't mind, give oh. our podcast network a follow on Twitter. It's at DP Podcast, District Productive, at DP Podcast. We, DP. DP, District Productive, oh, our it. podcast network. Oh. And we're the, the the DP Podcast is the Twitter that tweets out the podcast every day. Of course, at BP Show retweets that as well. But give us a follow. Yep. We got it. All the big stories of the day. We are following uh, the path of uh, Hurricane Irma and, and uh, still clean up on Hurricane Harvey. The latest, uh, the big announcement yesterday on the uh, on the Dreamers. What's the latest on North Korea and South Korea? And yes, indeed, just what we need, just what we need, right time, right, right now, uh, while Democrats are pulling together and uh, fighting to get the Congress back in 2018, get the White House back in 2020, and putting all of our past differences behind us. Hillary Clinton. Um, pardon my French, but throws a turd in the punch bowl yesterday with a page out of her book where she blames it all on Bernie Sanders. Where do we start? Oh, yeah. Then there are also the cheating Red Sox, of course, as uh, Jamie just fessed up. I thought we um, got that out of the way. Uh, well, you know, not everybody was there. That's we, true. We, that's right. But we do know. Folks the, in Chicago probably love to hear about uh, uh, the, the Red Sox cheating. The, the cheating Red Sox. And it's not the first time they've been caught cheating. Yes. It's not the first time a New England team has been caught cheating, I should <laughs> no, say. <laughs> for sure. Yes, indeed. Uh our Hurricane Irma barreling down through the Caribbean, heading toward the tip of Florida. By uh, th- This is, uh, once again, trying to outdo Harvey. Uh, it's been called either the biggest or certainly one of the biggest uh, hurricanes ever to be seen in the Atlantic. Uh, it is uh, looks like right now over Puerto Rico and Cuba and the U.S. Virgin Islands. Uh, and then it could go right straight up the middle of Florida. It could go to the east of Florida, off the Atlantic coast. It could go up the Gulf Coast of Florida. Nobody knows. Uh, The meteorologist I saw yesterday had about five different paths once it turns north, and uh, nobody knows which which one. So uh, Governor Rick Scott has told people in Florida yesterday, uh, no matter where you live, you've got to be ready. If you look at, there's a lot of different tracks right now. Some of it going straight up the state, some of it going up the east, some of it going up the west. So basically right now, everybody's got to just watch out for this hurricane. Yes, and uh, Hurricane Harvey, meanwhile, the cleanup there continues. It is far, far from over. Let's not forget the poor people of the Houston area, 63 now dead as a result of uh, uh, Hurricane Harvey. And... uh, Damage uh, upwards of $150 billion, maybe as high as $180 billion. Uh, We've talked a lot about North Korea, nothing new in North Korea yesterday, except now scientists are telling us it looks pretty clear that this weekend uh, North Korea is preparing for another long-range missile test, maybe toward Guam, maybe again toward Japan, uh, to celebrate the anniversary of the uh, founding of this uh, the modern nation of uh, of North Korea, uh, in other words, Kim Jong Un, not phased at all by the harsh rhetoric that he's heard from Donald Trump and Nikki Haley and uh, Steve Mnuchin and everybody else around Donald Trump. Uh, he hasn't been phased by it so far. There have been eighteen missile tests so far this year, despite Donald Trump's threats, verbal threats, uh, and that will continue and. Uh, uh, no relief in sight uh, until uh, the Trump administration does what many world leaders are saying is uh, let's uh, pursue the diplomatic route here because clearly 
There's no no good military option. It is DACA that gets the most uh, the most attention today. The big announcement yesterday again. It was a cowardly Donald Trump who said, "Oh man, this is this is such a political hot potato. I don't want to touch this thing. Let's let Jeff Sessions make the announcement." By the way, which is totally appropriate because for the last 16 years, Jeff Sessions has been the number one. A hardliner on immigration in the Senate, the number one opponent of any immigration reform, the number one opponent of the Dreamers Act, which has been around for 16 years. And it's because of crusty old Republicans like uh, Jeff Sessions that Donald Trump, that I'm sorry, President Obama uh, initiated the Dreamers program on his own in the first place because they couldn't get it through the Senate because of people like Jeff Sessions. So he wanted, He was in his glory yesterday when he made the announcement at the Justice Department. I'm here today to announce that the program known as DACA that was effectuated under the Obama administration is being rescinded. It is being rescinded. As we know, they said rescinded now, uh, but we'll give Congress six months to fix it at the the rescission, in other words, has a six-month delay. If Congress fixes it within six months, the program will continue. If not, it's done. It's dead. It's over. Uh, and, of course, in effect, it's over now because there ain't no way Congress is going to do anything on this or anything else in the next six months. But here's the what really galls you is that Jeff Sessions, repeated later by Donald Trump, as we will see, Jeff Sessions says, this is all just being done out of a spirit of compassion. We are people of compassion and we are people of law. But there is nothing compassionate about the failure to enforce immigration laws. Enforcing the law saves lives, protects communities and taxpayers, and prevents human suffering. There's so much wrong with that statement. I mean, I I just wish I could swear like a sailor uh, in response to it. I mean, first of all, what lives are being saved by throwing these 800,000 well, I mean, to, uh, 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 young people out of the country? I mean, what threat to our public, to our public safety or public security is posed by these people who have jobs, who are paying taxes, who are in school, who are doctors, who are in the military? I mean, at working for Apple? The U.S. Chamber of Commerce says this is a bad move. The freaking U.S. Chamber of Commerce says this is bad for American businesses. These people are contributing to this country. They're no threat to our security. I mean, Jeff Sessions makes them sound like they're all terrorists, all members of ISIS or something. And also, we'll get more into this in a little bit, with this caca about the rule of law. Yeah, don't tell me about the rule of law after you pardon Joe Arpaio, Mr. Trump, right? Known criminal Joe Arpaio. You pardon him. Yeah. He can get away with breaking the law. But these kids who broke no law, their parents did, they didn't, are all going to be deported under Donald Trump's under Donald Trump's plan. Um, and, of course, the other BS about this whole thing is we're going to let Congress. Here's Jeff Sessions again. We're just we're going to let we're not cruel. We're just going to let Congress do its job. This will enable the Department of Homeland Security to conduct an orderly change and fulfill the desire of this administration to create a time period for Congress to act, should it so choose. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Pass the buck. Pass the buck to Congress. Yeah. Not our problem anymore. 
Punt, punt to Congress, right. The reaction, uh, interestingly, was on a bipartisan basis, a lot of criticism. Uh, Lindsey Graham and Dick Durbin have been the two uh, co-sponsors of the Dreamers Act. Republican Lindsey Graham yesterday saying uh, these Dreamers, Mr. Sessions and Mr. Trump, have done nothing wrong. You have done nothing wrong. You came here as children. You've contributed to society. Uh, you have passed criminal background checks. You've uh, demonstrated your ability to be beneficial to the country. Yep, indeed they have. Now, the thing that really bugs me about this is the spin that the White House is trying to put on it. And let's start with that, uh, as Jeff Sessions says. Well, the rule of law, the rule of law, right? You know, we are a nation of laws, right? Again, they pick and choose which laws, uh, when they want to be a nation of laws and when they don't, right? Uh, <clears throat> this is a president, again, who just pardoned Joe Arpaio, who was found guilty of violating the Constitution. But Donald Trump likes him, therefore it's okay for him uh, to break the law. But also, with immigration law and with any law, any prosecutor decides which cases he or she prosecutes and which ones they don't. It's not that they're ignoring the rule of law. It's just sometimes there are some exceptions. Um, you know, look, a traffic cop can give you a ticket or can give you a warning. And the same thing in immigration reform. The, 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 this government, this pres, these our presidents, Republicans and Democrats, have always shown some leadership and decided which aspects of the... Of course, it is illegal to come here across the border without the proper papers. No doubt about it. But in some cases, we'll look the other way, and in some cases, we'll enforce it. Donald Trump, in fact, himself said that. I'm only interested in the people who are breaking laws. I'm only interested in people who are come here, came here illegally, and have committed crimes. They're going to go. Everybody else, he says, you don't have to worry about it. So he himself saw that, right? Now he's violating his own principles as if he believes uh, in anything. But Ronald Reagan... Ronald Reagan said, yes, they came here legally, but there are 5,000 Americans now. That's all they're worth at the time. And we're going to grant them amnesty. He used the word amnesty. Ronald Reagan, their hero, because he said it doesn't make sense. It would be cruel to send them all home because now they're here taxpaying member residents of the country, even if they're not yet citizens. Uh, and it's the same thing what President Obama was saying here with the Dreamers, even more so. These, again, kids did not break the law. Their parents did. They brought them here when they were children, some of them infants, some of them maybe up to seven years old. The average was about seven years old. And since then, this is the only country they know. This is the only country they've ever lived in. They speak English. They don't, probably don't even speak their native, their native tongue. They've gone to school. They've gotten degrees. They've got jobs. They're paying taxes. They're serving in the military. The one poor guy, uh, uh, Alonzo Guillen, gave his life rescuing victims of Hurricane Harvey as a volunteer. As a volunteer over the last over the over the over the last weekend, uh, and these are th th these are, these represent really the best of America, the future of America, and what Donald Trump is saying en masse, all eight hundred thousand of them are going to be subject to deportation unless Congress acts. So this idea that we 
or, or, or the rule of law, the rule of law, the rule of law trumps everything. No, it doesn't. We are a compassionate nation, and sometimes we say we're not going to. Who are we anyhow? We are. Are we really want to punish kids for anything that their parents did wrong? Is that who we are? I don't think so. It's not the way I was raised. I don't think most Americans believe that. So forget this nonsense about the always the rule of law. The other spin on that this is a campaign promise. So Donald Trump promised this, so therefore he has to do it because the Constitution says that any politician who makes any promise during a campaign, then he is bound by the Constitution to carry out that promise. Number one, that's BS. And number two, the problem with Donald Trump is he promised everything. At one point he said he was going to get rid of the Dreamers program. Also, as a candidate, he said, I'm going to keep the Dreamers. They don't have to worry. I love the Dreamers. So, I mean, which campaign promise did he carry out and which one did he violate? But the whole idea that anything any candidate says during any campaign that they are constitutionally bound to do that is ridiculous. It's nonsense. Who do they think we are? They put out this crap. Sarah Sanders and Donald Trump expressed us to believe it. And then the third spin is, okay, Congress is going to fix it. I mean, that is laugh out loud funny. Congress has had this bill for 16 years. Dick Durbin, Lindsey Graham, 16 years they've been wrestling with the dreamers as well as for longer than that, the whole issue of immigration reform. And the idea that because Donald Trump says, now it's your job and you're going to fix it and we're going to give you six months to fix it, that they're going to do that? I mean, this Congress can't call the roll in six months. It's, out, it, it's insane. It's just absurd, the whole idea that we're going to give this Congress, and that's, and that's going to fix it. And then finally, worst of all, I mean, every American should be insulted by this, that Donald Trump is only doing this out of love. Sarah Sanders yesterday saying, no, 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 this is not cold-hearted at all. It's not cold-hearted for the president to uphold the law. We are a nation of law and order. And the day that we start to ignore the fact that we are that, then we throw away everything that gives these people a reason to want to come to our country. Yeah, yeah, there she is again, right, hiding behind that. It's all about love. And then, yeah, we may love him, but boy, we have to enforce the law. Donald Trump, the same thing yesterday. I have a big heart. I'm doing this just out of the goodness of my heart. Well, I have a great heart for the folks we're talking about, a great love for them. Great love for them. That's why I want to deport all, all 800,000 of them. And I want to play Mike Pence last uh, Thursday in Texas when he went to go visit Harvey victims. He was asked by John Carl of ABC, you know, uh, you're, you're here in, in Houston, which has a pretty significant Hispanic population. You're considering rescinding DACA. Mm-hmm. They did. Uh, what does this say? Why would you do this right now? Mike Pence says Trump has a big heart. There are more than 120,000 dreamers here in the state of Texas who would lose their legal status as a result of that. Well, is this really Trump, the time to do that? Well, President Trump has said all along that he's giving very careful consideration to that issue and that, that when he makes his decision, he'll make it, as he likes to say, with big heart. Mm-hmm. And I know that he will, John. Yeah, that he likes to say with big heart. But you don't. Throw them out of the country with big heart. If you have a big heart, you do all that you can to protect them. Right. Yeah, and the other the other part of this, too, is they say they've got to do this because some states 
threaten if they don't do it. There are some states that are going to go to court and try to block the program. You know what anybody with a set of balls would do? Say, fine, I'll see you in court. Yeah. Right? Yeah, I'll see you in court, a-hole. Right? We think this is the right thing to do because these people are really worth making an exception for and because these people did not break any law. I keep coming back to that. Their parents did. They did not. The other thing Donald Trump was trying to say is, well, come on. People are calling them children. Come on. They're not children. People think in terms of children, but they're really young adults. Oh. Uh, oh. I have a love for these people, and oh. hopefully now Congress will be able to help them and do it properly. Oh, oh, uh, oh, I see. So some of them could be 17 or 18 or 19, or some of them, yeah, yeah, that's right. In college, in graduate school, in the military, idiot. Okay, so they're not two or three years old. Therefore, we can, again, throw them all out of the country, even though they've done nothing wrong. There is no freaking way to defend any aspect of this decision. It is insane. It is immoral. It is cruel. It is cold-hearted. It is wrong. It is un-American. It's Donald Trump. You know, uh, Charlie Pierce from Esquire made this point on Twitter last night. We're going to see thousands of stories of folks being deported uh, from their communities who who meant something in their community or served in the military, as you mentioned. Yeah. And Charlie Pierce said, I love it. Journalism is the best revenge in this situation. And, you know, to, to our friends that are that are in the field that are reporting on these stories, keep going. Keep telling people's stories because it's really going to point out to voters, maybe not to Trump's base, but it's going to point out to everyday Americans what exactly the effect has on on your communities by losing these folks. Uh, keep them up. There have been lots of stories out there. They're going to be, you're right, even more like uh, Alonzo Guillen. And uh, by the way, we're going to talk to a dreamer uh, coming up in the next half hour. Esther Lee from the from Think Progress uh, will tell us her story uh, and what this all means uh, as well. Uh, after Esther Lee, by the way, Sabrina Siddiqui will be here as a friend of Bill for the uh, second hour together. And, uh, Jamie, you mentioned a little bit earlier we're going to be joined uh, also by Congresswoman Stacey Plaskett from the U.S. Virgin Islands right in the path of Hurricane uh, Irma. You know, Bill, before we uh, move on here, we got some um, comments on Twitter. Oh, I want to please. read some comments yes. on Twitter at BP Show. Uh, Brian says, no sympathy for Sessions. As a lifelong racist and immigrant basher, he probably enjoyed every minute of that you know he did. DACA announcement. He went home and had a big, strong drink last night. He said, man, did I have fun today. That's right. Susan says, a child is not aware that it is doing something illegal. Besides, what about all the low-life bankers who commit illegal acts every day. And finally, George says, Dreamers have been here for years and know nothing of Mexico and going to be kicked out of a nation with no heart or the elf wizard and the swamp thing has no heart. I believe the elf yeah. wizard is Sessions and uh, uh, oh. the swamp thing is Trump. I, I'm pretty sure. Uh, yeah. And by the way, it's not just Mexico, uh, but also a lot of these down to countries that where they really are at risk if they got to countries they don't know, by the way, do not know those countries at all. This is their country. But back to countries in in uh, Central America, particularly Guatemala, Honduras, where they fled uh, because their families were not safe. They were fleeing. They were fleeing violence and persecution in those countries. Uh, one other thing I've got to mention is, you know, um, let's put it this way. What 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 should the Democratic Party be doing right now? Now, we've had Keith Ellison in. 
Tom Perez, the new chair of the DNC, has been in a couple of times, a new executive director of the DNC, a lot of Democratic members of Congress. And everybody says, you know what we ought to be doing? Let's all, we ought to be pulling together as Democrats out there appealing to middle class, working class Americans and say, we're the party that fights for you, that's fighting for the little guy, that's not fighting for Wall Street. And we got a message and we're going to fight for you and we're going to take back the Congress, the House in 2018. We're going to take back the Senate in 2018. We're going to take back the White House in 2020. We're going to take back state legislatures. We're going to get this country back on track again. That's what Democrats ought to be doing. What the hell is Hillary Clinton doing? Hillary Clinton, she's got a new book coming out. What happened? And we found out yesterday that a couple of, in a couple of pages in her new book, Hillary Clinton says, what happened? What happened in 2016? Uh, what happened is Bernie Sanders screwed me over, and Bernie, it's Bernie Sanders' fault that I lost the election. That's what Hillary Clinton said. Hillary Clinton go, wants to go back and refight the Democratic primary last year. She says in this book that Bernie Sanders, uh, wa- that he ran a sexist campaign, that he did not care about the Democratic Party, that he just wanted to disrupt the Democratic Party, that was his only motive, that he didn't care if a Democrat got in the White House or not, and that his presence in the primary, his primary challenge to her led to Donald Trump being elected president. So don't blame me, says Hillary. Don't blame me, blame Bernie. God, this is so wrong. And I know, you know, look, I'm a Bernie Sanders supporter, but I was a Hillary Clinton supporter too. Supported her over Barack Obama, I remind you, in 2008, and certainly supported her a thousand percent like Bernie did over Donald Trump in the general election last year. But not, first of all, this is the last thing the Democratic Party needs. What the hell is she thinking? Put this behind us. Any differences? We ought to be united now, one party now, with one goal and one focus, instead of rehashing the Democratic primary from last year, right? Number one. Number two, she's just dead wrong. Let me tell you something. You can criticize Hillary Clinton's policies. You can say that she's wrong to support the Keystone Pipeline, which she did. You can say she's wrong to support TPP, which she did. You can say she's wrong not to be for single payer, which she's not. You can say she's wrong to be for a $12 minimum wage, not a $15 minimum wage. And guess what? That's not sexist. That's not sexist. And for her to say that is outrageous. So let me ask her. Was it racist for you to run against Barack Obama? I guess so, by the same by the same rule, right? And number two, Bernie Sanders, he was not trying to destroy the Democratic Party. He was trying to fix the Democratic Party, which God knows needs it. And if he didn't want a Democrat in the White House, why did he campaign tirelessly for Hillary Clinton? going everywhere she wanted with her or without her and is still out there campaigning for Democrats while Hillary Clinton is out trying to sell a book and blame Bernie Sanders. Can I just say this once and for all? Hillary, we're done. Get out of the way. We're done. We don't want to hear about it. Okay? It's over. You lost an election that no Democrat should have lost and you've got nobody to blame but yourself. Hillary Clinton's book is called What Happened? 
I think her book ought to be called I Effed Up. Three words. That's the title. That's the entire book. Don't have to read it. I effed up Hillary Clinton. Woo! Got that off my chest. All right, let's go back to DACA. Esther Lee joining us from Think Progress here on the Bill Press Show. Any comments? Yeah, you know how to get it. At BP Show. President Obama is laying out a responsible 24-month phase-out. No permanent... Sorry, President Trump. Download our podcast. Search for The Bill Press Show on iTunes. And remember to rate, review, and subscribe. This is The Bill Press Show. Same great show, new great channel. Stream live video at youtube.com slash the Bill Press Show. What do you say? Here we go on a Wednesday, September 6th, the Bill Press Show. Good to have you with us. And thank you so much for joining us as we boom out to you coast to coast from our studio on Capitol Hill in Washington, D.C. A program brought to you today by the United Steelworkers and their international president, one and only Leo Gerard. United Steelworkers, North America's largest industrial union, representing over 1.2 million active and retired uh, members, working hard to bring those uh, steel manufacturing jobs back to the United States of America. We salute members of the Steelworkers and thank them for the support of the program. Uh, the number one story of the day, DACA, uh, the president's announcement yesterday that he did not have the guts to make himself he had racist uh, anti-immigrant Jeff Sessions make the announcement with glee at the Department of Justice. It's an issue that we have talked about several times with Esther Lee, from, who's an immigration reporter for Think Progress, and uh, a dreamer herself. Esther, Indeed. it's good to see you. Thank you for having me on the show. Before we get into yesterday's uh, announcement, this issue of the status of the dreamers uh, and of immigrants in general, uh, came up with Hurricane Harvey in Houston. Yes. Uh, where, well, I mean, what was the impact there? I did read where a lot of people were afraid to show up at the shelters because they were afraid the ICE would be there waiting for them. Well, you know, there are a lot of undocumented immigrants in the state of Texas. There are about 1.7 million undocumented immigrants in general who live in Texas. And among them, there are some, you know, DACA recipients or Deferred Action for Childhood Arrivals beneficiaries. That, that's what it stands for. Um, and, you know, a lot of these people live in the areas that were hardest hit by Hurricane uh, Harvey. Mm -hmm. And even though ICE and the Customs and Border Protection Agencies, they release a joint statement saying, we will not pursue undocumented immigrants at shelters and food banks they did not say they would not have immigration checkpoints. Mm. Now, that's scary, right? Yeah. Because Texas is a border state, as we know. And in border states, we have something called the Constitution-Free Zone. It's 100 miles between the border, the Mexican border and America, where ICE and CBP can patrol those areas looking for, you know, mm. Supposedly, mm. drug traffickers. But really, what they're looking for is to be able to flag undocumented drivers over and say, hey, what's your status? Let me detain you, right? Yeah. So that's really what people are afraid of. And particularly in a place like the Rio Grande Valley, 
where there are a lot of undocumented immigrants. You know, they face a lot of uh, immigration checkpoints and they're just afraid of like leaving. Right. So what they do is they just they just, you know, put themselves in the line of the hurricane and they don't leave. Right. Um, uh, Vice President Mike Pence was down uh, at the end of last week and uh, he was asked by um, John Carl a- John Carl from ABC News mm-hmm. uh, so what about the dreamers right. in this area anticipating a decision on dreamers uh, yesterday this was but the end of last week uh, Mike Pence's kind of Trump White House school book response <laughs> There are more than 120,000 dreamers here in the state of Texas who would lose their legal status as a result of that. Is this really the time to do that? Well, President Trump has said all along that he's giving very careful consideration to that issue and that that when he makes his decision, he'll make it, as he likes to say, with big heart. Mm -hmm. And I know that he will, John. Yep. (laughs) And as we saw yesterday, clearly he treated dreamers and DACA recipients with heart. Yes, with heart. Huge, enormous hearts. (laughs) Yeah, great heart, big heart, lots of love, love the dreamers, whatever. That's why he edits the program. Folks, we're talking about a great love for them. Great, great, great love for the dreamers. What is the impact of this decision? Oh, my gosh, it is so huge. Like, let's just talk about, you know, just the fact that DACA recipients were able to get um, driver's licenses, right? They were able to get Social Security cards based on their status of being lawfully present. And for a lot of them in dozens of states. And by the way, it was mm -hmm. not citizenship, right? It was not citizenship, yes. And it was not permanent status. Definitely not permanent. two years that had to be renewed, correct? It had to be renewed, and it was expensive. It was $500 to apply. And, you know, when I first, so I am a DACA recipient. We've talked about this in the past. You are Um, a dreamer. I am a dreamer, and I'm also a DACA recipient. But, you know, like, it's $500. And when I first applied, that first initial time I applied, it took me two weeks' pay. So that's how much it costs for, like, Mm -hmm. a lot of people. Luckily, it no longer costs that much. You know, it's no longer two weeks' pay for me. But, you know, like, it's not cheap. It is expensive. You give your entire information to the government, hoping that they're never going to use that against you. Right. And now we're in a different time. Uh, and this, so you also have to go through a pretty rigorous um, background check, correct? Indeed. So you have to give your biometrics. I remember giving my fingerprints. I remember, I think they have to take your retinal scan. They have to take your picture. They take your weight and your height <laughs> for some reason. Um, they also take everything, like all your addresses, all your home addresses that you've lived in um, from your initial date of entry. And if you had committed any crime? Then you cannot apply for DACA. Like you do not qualify. So DACA recipients by and large are not criminals, not the way that people have described them to be, right? right? Like, yes, maybe some people have had like parking tickets, but that's not a crime. Now, uh, the White House is now making a big deal of it, and President Trump did yesterday, too. No, we're not talking about children, (laughs) right? But as a matter of fact, many dreamers were children when or infants when they were. They may not be now, right? Right, right. But they were when they were brought here. Absolutely. So um, in order to qualify for DACA, you must have been brought into the country before the age of 16. Now, I want to ask you and your readers, when you were 16, did you have any control over where you could go, right? Probably not. So to blame dreamers, and 
you know, actually, by by extension, to blame their parents, I don't think is a good argument to make because not many parents make that decision to leave their home country, to say goodbye to everything that they've ever known, um, unless there's really good reason, right? Maybe they're fleeing violence. Maybe they're fleeing really bad things that are happening to them. Sure. And if they were... And in many cases, they were. I'm not. Right. I'm not questioning that. But as if they're if they're fleeing the violence in Guatemala or the mm-hmm. violence in Honduras, and they were to leave their kids behind, <laughs> exactly. what would we say about them then? Exactly. Right. I mean, of course, they were showing compassion by bringing their kids. But you, you mentioned so some they have to have been here before 16. Many of them, if not the majority, were a lot younger than 16. Absolutely. Right? Um, so, you know, I, I've spoke to dreamers who were brought here when they were infants, when they were two yeah, years old yeah. and four years old. They had no choice but to, like, be brought in as they were sleeping, right? Like, you you can't blame any of these kids for having come in the way that they did. But now that they're here and now that we're here, we're Americans in every way but one, which is on paper, right? And um, we, I think that the DACA program has really shown itself to be a very successful policy. The people who have used DACA are now, you know, 95% of them are either working or are in school. So I think this has been a very successful policy (laughs) in the short term. And it's something that, unfortunately, we won't be able to see the impact of in the long term. Really representing, uh, as I've said, the best of America, the future. These are people who want to be Americans, and we should let them. And as you say, who are, (laughs) I mean, you know, you don't know any other country, correct? You came from Taiwan? I came from Taiwan, good memory. But you don't know any other country? No, I don't, absolutely not. This is my country right here. This is, I love America. I I know only pop cultural references from, you know, (laughs) I Love Lucy and Dick Van Dyke show. You know, that's that's my reference, right? Um, But like in terms of the impact that DACA will have on, like the ending of DACA will have on, on other kids is that, You know, like in-state tuition in some states, like Virginia and I believe Minnesota, it's based on whether or not you have DACA. So now that it's been rescinded, a lot of these students may no longer apply for, uh, may no longer qualify for in-state tuition, right? That's just one of the ramifications. Um, Other issues are that they can no longer perhaps get their driver's licenses. We don't want unsafe drivers on the road, right? We want to be able to ensure that people can Um, are licensed and that they're insured and that if they're in an accident, they will stay there. Okay. So if this plan, for for now, everything's in limbo because Congress is going to fix it. We'll get to that. (laughs) Yeah, right. We'll get to that in just a minute. But uh, the effect of yesterday's ruling by Mm -hmm. Jeff Sessions is that um, people who are now in, if, if if you're in the process that process will continue, right? But no new applications will be accepted. Right. So as of yesterday, yesterday was possibly the last day that they would have accepted any new applications. As of today, they will no longer accept any new applications. So um, between now and I believe March, uh, March 2018, there's a six-month period. Right. Um, if your DACA application expires before March 2018, they are encouraging you to apply before October 5th, 2017, so that you could get that two-year extension mm-hmm. that extends into 2019. Right. If March 8, 2018 comes along, right, and you, then you're up for renewal after that, you're dead. Yeah, that's basically it. So the people who have like April 2018 renewals or yeah, like DACA uh, cards that expire, I'm sorry, guys, you're out of luck. Okay. 
So this bill has been in Congress, uh, Dick Durbin and Lindsey Graham, the Dreamers Act, yep. been in Congress for 16 years. It has been. And, yeah. you know, every year I am so hopeful that something will happen and something will help change the tide of immigration reform in this country. But every year it has failed. And sometimes it's the fault of the Republicans. Sometimes it's the fault of the Democrats. If we look back in 2010, we'll see we could see that five Senate Dems failed to vote for the DREAM Act, and it just died. I mean, that was the year when Democrats controlled both the House and, and Right. And that, was a, that was the year to get it done. Yeah. And it, and it didn't happen. It didn't happen. But, you know, now that we're reliant on a Republican-controlled everything, you know, I don't know what the chances are that we could pass a permanent fix to well, this if they didn't, if they didn't do it in, couldn't get it done in 16 years, not even <laughs> when Democrats were in control, what are the chances they're going to get it done in the next six months? According to President Trump, it's going to be great. He's going to he's going to fix it. He's yeah, going right. to revisit revisit DACA. Well, first of all, Congress is going to do it. Right. But if they don't, then yesterday he threw this new wrinkle. I'll revisit it. Right. What does that mean? It means nothing, especially with what he had said earlier in the day, which is Congress must act. DACA. <laughs> right. It wasn't. It was like more of a haiku than than a command. I think. But like you know, at the beginning of the day, he said. Well, Congress should fix it. By the end of the day, he said, I'll revisit. No, no, no. But it's typical, classic of him on this issue where he has said, um, I'm going to, if it, as a candidate, right, I'm going to end the Dreamers Act. It's unconstitutional. I'm going to end it. Then he also says, I'm just interested in the criminals. That's all I care about. Uh, everybody <laughs> right. else doesn't have to worry. If you haven't given me a you have to worry. The Dreamers, I love the Dreamers. I'm going to take care of them. Now he says yesterday again, no, I don't want to. You know, I I don't want this problem. I'm going to throw it to Congress, and then later in the day says I'll revisit it. Well, if he's going to revisit it and he thinks he could con- extend it as a president, I mean, why didn't he do it anyhow? You know what I mean? It just exactly. doesn't make any sense. It doesn't at all. make any he sense. He cannot follow him, believe anything he says. And also, like Jeff Sessions earlier in the day had said, you know, this is unconstitutional. It's an executive overreach. Well, if that's the case, then how come President Trump can say at the end of the day, I will revisit, right? Mm-hmm. It's it doesn't it's a very fallacious sort of like, you know, now, uh, line of reasoning, right, I think. Now, there is. Um, so Esther Lee is with us from Think Progress, thinkprogress.org. <laughs> Thank so um, there are some people who are saying Democrats and Republicans, um, you know, it's a classic story of a kid on Christmas morning who smells horse manure in his, or finds horse manure in his <laughs> stocking and says, oh boy, a pony, right? <laughs> some people who are always optimistic. So some are now saying this is an opportunity, mm-hmm. that this is the opportunity we've been looking for to do something serious about immigration reform. Right. That because we have to act in six months, now maybe this we can, ha- and, and we're forced to deal with DACA, at least, asked to deal with DACA by the president, he can't force him to do anything, that we could use this as the vehicle for pulling together immigration reform. Do you share that optimism in any way? Yes and no, because I I like to believe the best in people. That, That's a good political answer. Right? <laughs> yes and no. <laughs> um, I am gearing up for my political career. <laughs> no, yeah, right. um, no, so I, I do believe that having their feet held to the fire, you know, is something that they will do, especially since the American voters the vast majority of American voters do agree that Dreamer should stay in this yes, country. Yes, by the way, an excellent point. Politico has a poll up already this morning showing, I think, something like 60% yeah. of Americans say. And that's been consistent for like yeah. the past 16 years, ever since the Dream Act came out. Like People like the Dreamers. They want to stay. They just don't understand why they have to leave, right? 
But I do think that I also think that, you know, like passing the DREAM Act in any form, you know, giving them legal status, giving them some way of, you know, righting the wrong, so to speak, uh, would be the easiest fix. And it would be a good starting point for Democrats, because for Democrats and for advocates, that's not the only people. Those aren't the only people who are undocumented who need a fix. Mm -hmm. There are about two million dreamers overall, like uh, you know, exclusive of the Docker population, there are other people who were brought to this country, um, and that's part of the two million people. But that leaves us eight or nine million more undocumented immigrants. What are we going to do with them, right? So that's the Democrat and the advocacy uh, point. That's the starting point. Dreamer Dream Act is the starting point. But for Republicans, it's the end point, right? Like that's all they yeah, want to do. Right. Right. And if we were to look back at history, you know, in 1984, when uh, 1986. 1988, I'm forgetting, which, you know, back in the 80s when we passed that giant amnesty, right? It really only helped about 3 million people Yeah. while we had 6 million undocumented immigrants. So, like, if you're not covering everybody right now, we are going to have a lot more undocumented immigrants that aren't going to be helped. Mm-hmm. Well, um, the – but when you – the problem is, I guess, when you look at other things that would have to go into this comprehensive immigration reform right. – what do they include? Oh, gosh. Border security. The they wall. always say border security. <laughs> border, I mean, how many more guards can we put on the bar, right? I, 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 <laughs> for years, I was like, oh, yeah, the, 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 the quick response is, yeah, but we have to have border security. Okay. Let's oh, – I think Obama doubled the number of border agents right. at the wall, right? Yeah. And the virtual wall and all that stuff. We keep adding money for security. Okay. Boom, boom. But then you mentioned it, the wall, right? It's really the is, wall, yeah. Right. So is a friend of mine uh, the other day said, here's what this is all about. Donald Trump is smarter than you think. This is a big play for the wall. What he is saying basically is, I'll give you DACA, you give me the wall. That's that's what this is all about. That's the compromise. Is that where we're heading? That could potentially be it. I, I unfortunately think that DACA kids are always being used as leverage because they're the easiest piece to leverage. Um, but you know we're not bargaining chips. We're not here to be like the. the yeah. Thank you. Yeah, we're talking about you. human beings here. Thank you, Jamie. Let's just simplify it. I mean, the, yeah, the, I mean simplify it. It's, it's, it's we're talking it's, about no, human beings. It's immoral what they're talking about. But I mean, I think that's where they're heading. Exactly. Some some people are right. Absolutely. Um, and I do think that there will be a lot of push and pull on the border wall because Mexico is not going to pay for it. We know that. Um, Donald and- Trump's not even saying that anymore. Oh, <laughs> I, mean, he, I mean, he may occasionally, but he's not. He, 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 I think he's given up that myth, right, or that right. lie, um, because now he's saying he wants Congress. He wants money from Congress for this. What happened to Mexico paying for the? Wall? Why should he have to ask Congress for money to pay for the wall? I don't know if Mexico is going to pay for it. Who's ever believed that? But I also talked to a different group of people than most people, right? Yeah. Um, but you know, the wall has already been built from everything that we that Donald Trump wants. The vast majority of his wall has been built. About seven hundred ninety-five miles of it has been built, and it has been built in the most um, the areas where they need the wall the most, right? Like the mm-hmm. the terrains where it's easy to cross, and uh, they have put a lot more boots on the ground, so to speak on the border wall, you know, border area. So, like, I don't know what else he can do to fortify that wall. And people who are desperate will still find some way to come to this country because they are trying to flee whatever it is that they're trying to flee. You know, I 
I can't speak to what, why they're right. coming here, but I do know of many dreamers and many undocumented immigrants who I've spoken with. Their reason for coming here is not only for a better life, but it's to make sure that they don't die in their home countries. And we send, yeah, and the idea of sending people back there, right, again, to a country they right. don't know, they've never been to, they don't right. speak the language, and the the threats to their security here. You know, Jeff, Jeff Sessions said something yesterday. Uh, Jamie, the, I think it's that second thing. We're acting out of compassion. Uh, and here, the way he describes, well, he, he the reasons he gives why he says this, we have to do this, mm-hmm. just I find just mind-boggling. Here's uh, the Attorney General yesterday. We are people of compassion, yeah. and we are people right. of law. But there is nothing compassionate about the failure to enforce immigration laws. Enforcing the law saves lives, protects communities and taxpayers, and prevents human suffering. So... Getting rid of these uh, 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 dreamers is a way of saving lives, protecting communities, and suffering. It's he he makes the dreamers sound like they're all members of ISIS. Yeah, really. I mean, I, what threat to our public safety <laughs> is crea- created today by dreamers? Well, the threat is that they're too smart and they're they're hardworking. I think that's the only threat that dreamers pose, right? But and they me, pay taxes. Right, exactly. I, mean, the US, I, I found the U.S. Chamber of Commerce, mm-hmm. right? You couldn't be more business-oriented than the U.S. Chamber of Commerce exactly. said, this is wrong. They did. And that this is hurting American businesses. You know, I will say this. I know of at least one DACA recipient who is recently deported who is now living in fear of his life because everybody back in El Salvador knows that he has an American accent and he can't leave his house because he's just too American. So he's he's rejected. He was rejected from the United States. And now he's living in fear in his home country, a country that he hasn't seen since he was nine years old. And I believe he's something like 24 or so. So, like, we are doing a disservice to both the United States and other countries when we deport these dreamers. You know, what would have been really um, heroic and shown some real leadership for Donald Trump yesterday would be to say in memory of Alonzo Guillen. I'm going to continue the Dreamer program. Mm. This is a young man, I think 31, who, uh, in, in Houston who went out with a friend right. to rescue people, victims, volunteered his own boat to rescue uh, victims of Hurricane Harvey, swept the water, swept him into a highway overpass, the boat flipped over. Uh, I know Alonzo, I don't think his friend, his friend may or may not have survived, but Alonzo lost right. his life. Uh, and he was he, he was a dreamer. He's married, had a young kid. Uh, and that again, is devastating. Uh, and you know, just representing again who these people really are. They're, they're you, not <laughs> they, right? Members of our community. Yeah, they are. And, and, you know, what happened to Alonzo was certainly unfortunate, but there are people just like him who are willing to go out there and help their communities, right? Like these are the people who are your science teachers, as as President, former President Obama said. These are the mm-hmm. people who are the ROTC kids. You know, the first person who was killed in action um, in the Iraq War, the second one, um, was an undocumented immigrant, actually. He was, he wanted to fight for this country. And we do have a lot of good dreamers who are currently in the military as well. Um, and they're there because they want to serve America. You know, these are people who are dying to be Americans. And I don't know of anybody else who would so, take on so much hate from people, get so much hate mail yeah. as I do. 
um, and still say, you know what, I want to be an American. And that's the spirit I heard from DACA that, that I saw from the Dreamers yesterday right. uh, on on the news. Is you know, we're not going to you know we're not going to give up. You know right. we're continue to to live our lives and make the, every contribution we can, and hopefully we can make this work out. Real quickly, mm-hmm. what happens to the parents of the Dreamers? So there are many things, many factors that we should be concerned about as the Dreamers, right? Um, their parents are now probably in some database because when you apply for DACA, oh, yeah. your yeah. information, yeah. your personal information is out there. Uh, so the government now could use all this information <laughs> they got from DACA people and their parents against them. They did. But I want to tell your listeners not to be panicked about this. I did email the USCIS, the U.S. Citizenship and Immigration Services yesterday, and they actually came back with a very even-keeled response, which is that there's there's really no reason for us to pursue or hand over our information to DHS or ICE unless somebody has committed a crime. Uh, or unless Jeff Sessions... <laughs> Or unless Jeff Sessions decides. Says he wants it. I can see Jeff Sessions could do this. I wouldn't trust him for a second. Well, Esther, I love the uh, spirit of continuing to uh, fight to stop this bad policy. And I know you'll continue to do that. Thanks so much for coming in. Thank you very much. Sabrina Siddiqui steps up for the the next hour for the bill. Hey, everybody. This is Bill Press. Thanks for listening to the Bill Press and Friends podcast. And now do yourself a favor. If you haven't already done so, subscribe to the show on iTunes. Here's what you do. Just search for the Bill Press show. Then you can take us with you and listen in anywhere you go. And you'll get new shows from us as soon as they're posted. And one more thing. If you really enjoy Bill Press and Friends, please help us grow by telling a friend, writing a review, and giving us a rating on iTunes. It's so great to have you on board. Many thanks. Giving you everything you need to fight the Trump administration. This is The Bill Press Show. Live at YouTube.com slash The Bill Press Show. Yes, I love, I love the Dreamers. That's why I want to deport all 800,000 of them, says Donald Trump yesterday. Hello, everybody. What do you say? Wednesday, September 6th. It is the Bill Press Show. And we're right here in Washington, D.C., our nation's capital, our studio on Capitol Hill, keeping our eye on Hurricane Irma heading toward Florida with um, not good news for the people of Florida and the eastern seaboard, it looks like. Uh, This on top of Hurricane Harvey, of course. Uh, Hurricane Irma may end up being even bigger and stronger. Winds now of 185 miles an hour. Uh, Taking a look at that and also the hurricane that hit Washington, D.C. yesterday with his announcement by Jeff Sessions because Donald Trump was uh, cowardly, uh, uh, too big of a coward to make the announcement himself that the Trump administration is ending the DACA program. A lot of other stuff going on, so Sabrina Siddiqui comes in to help us through it all. Our good friend, political reporter for The Guardian, and frequent guest host here on The Bill Press Show. Hello, Sabrina. Hi. How, how are you, you? Are you keeping up with everything? I am keeping up with as much you as I can. you got to run fast, huh? You do. I mean, yesterday we spent all day on... DACA, only for the president to tweet, he might revisit this issue. Yeah. Trial balloon sees the backlash, and it's not a game when you're dealing with nearly 800,000 young undocumented immigrants, but here we are. Yeah, almost like saying, 
If you can believe anything he says, that's my problem with it, right? You know, right. what does that mean? What I does that mean totally, at all? Right, exactly, right. Uh, but it's almost like saying, "Oh God, I guess I made a big mistake." Huh? Okay, well, give me a, give me a, like when he went to Texas and didn't say anything about the victims. All right, I'll go back and do it again on Saturday and do yes. it again. So it's a, it's a makeover, huh? It's a do-over. A do-over, right? He seems exactly. to get a lot more do-overs than any other president I can ever recall. <laughs> Uh, here we go with Sabrina. We'll uh, bring you all the news of the day and get your comments on Twitter at BP Show. But first, this is get the by Full Court Press. Jamie Benson. Just a full couple court. of other stories for you on this Wednesday morning. All right, progressives, get ready for right. your next big fight. It involves U.S. Secretary of Education Betsy DeVos. Betsy DeVos is planning to make a major announcement at George Mason University on oh, Thursday. God. That's tomorrow. She'll be speaking, by the way, at the new Antonin Scalia Law School, appropriately. So uh, Betsy DeVos could very well be announcing that she's rolling back a 2011 directive called the Dear Colleague Letter, which centers around how schools deal with campus rape. The directive laid out how long those investigations should take place, the standard of evidence to use, and that schools could not simply defer to police to handle reports of sexual assault. I'm reading directly from BuzzFeed News' report. There are critics. Betsy DeVos is likely among this group that say the letter pushed schools, quote, toward practices that didn't give students accused of sexual misconduct a fair shot at defending themselves. Therefore, Betsy DeVos may be siding uh, on the uh, rapist on the rapist, yeah, on the side of the rapist. What do you guys think about this? Do you, what, what do you think she'll end up doing? No, I, the first I've heard of it. I want to be very careful here because I have such a low opinion of Betsy DeVos. <laughs> the idea that she would do the right thing is probably out of the question for me. I've noticed that few people ignite as much fury as Betsy DeVos when it comes She's to the idiot. cabinet. Yeah, yeah. One of the most contented, uh, co- contentious, excuse me, confirmation uh, processes. Doesn't belong there. For... No credentials for being there, and um, uh, <clears throat> I don't know. We'll find out. We'll right, see on, what happens. On a positive note, I'm going up to my home state of Maine for this next story. You know, you guys know I always have to nudge in a, uh, a local story. Uh, so you guys have heard of Poxitani Phil, of course, of course. The, groundhog the Groundhog, in February. Sorry, I'm very excited. <laughs> uh, for the past three years, a group of Mainers uh, have been unveiling a lobster called Passy Pete. Passy Pete predicts oh, whether gosh. or not Maine will have six more weeks of summer. Uh, they pull him out of the ocean. They have two scrolls to pick whether or not yeah. there'll be six more weeks of summer. Passy Pete says there will be six more weeks of summer in Maine. Wait. Go home, Maine. You're drunk. What year? This year? This year. You're, just, you're right. You're drunk. <laughs> on your radio, on TV, and online. This is The Bill Press Show. Indeed, here we are, The Bill Press Show on a Wednesday, September 6th. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the program, and thank you so much for joining us wherever you are in this great country of ours. We're there with you on the radio, on television, online, you name it. Can't escape us. uh, Can't escape the big stories of the day. So we're joining you on YouTube, youtube.com slash The Bill Press Show, on Free Speech TV, coast to coast and out in the greater Chicago area on WCPT, the progressive voice of Chicago. Um, yeah, how about it? Trunk out in Chicago that owns a Chicago Tribune mm. buying 
trunk is just a weird name. Such anyhow. a weird word. Is it it's trunk just, or trunk? It's trunk. Tr- trunk. It's like Tron. T- Tribune. <laughs> t- Tribune online content. Really? That's so. It's the acronym for Tribune online content. It's kind of a at reach. At any rate, they own the Chicago acronym. Tribune, the L.A. Times, <laughs> and now owning the New York Daily News. It also so, doesn't make sense because they're taking like the first two letters. I know of a, Tribune and online, but then just content. Not an acronym. I don't understand, but okay. By the way, they bought it for a dollar. There's also Oath. My former colleagues at HuffPost are now part of Oath. What is that? I don't know. <laughs> Oath is like HuffPost plus Yahoo under the oh. Verizon umbrella. Oh, really? They're oh. part of Oath. Okay. They've taken an oath. I don't really no. know what it means. I guess when you don't work, I'm, I'm, I don't work there anymore, so I'm not private let's, to the let's to find the secrets. Out more about it. You are uh, <laughs> you are hearing from Sabrina Siddiqui, who's here as a friend of both of this hour, political reporter for the Guardian. Always good to have you back, Sabrina. Yeah. So um, this. Announcement yesterday on DACA, mm-hmm. hard to escape the number one story of the day. Um, apparently, they, we are told this was a decision that Donald Trump was wrestling with yeah, all yeah. weekend. It was such a tough decision to make. I mean, not just this weekend, like for months. I mean, like really? This is something he was going to do from the beginning, wasn't it? I mean, he campaigned on rescinding DACA on day one, and the only comfort that Dreamers got was he didn't tear it up the very first day that he... Uh, got and yeah. uh, he was so he assumed office, but then, you know, he's said repeatedly that they want to show great heart. Something that he still said yesterday, yesterday. on the very same day that he effectively opened up the door to deportations for this group of young undocumented immigrants, against the wishes of even some Republicans in Congress, who said, "Well, hold on a minute." We we do agree that there should be a legislative fix. Why don't we wait until we have that fix in place, mm-hmm. and yeah. for you can allow that way you don't uh, you know pave the way for people's permits um, to expire uh, without the opportunity to renew them. And uh, you know the only people who will be able to renew their permits are uh, those whose um, whose permits expire in the next six months before this March deadline in 2018 but they have to get those applications in in the next right. one month yeah which you know is you know and by just so quite a question as far as the question of processing is concerned also you know i think a dicey position to be but, in but the way this it, 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 it they certainly seem to, to to be um confused almost if not certainly unsettled about the way they handled this i mean so donald trump makes the decision but does not make the announcement. Mm-hmm. He has Jeff Sessions make the announcement. By the end of the day, and, and then they say, well, we're only, do- we love them, but we're only doing this because we have to enforce the law. We have to be uh, a nation of law. But then, of course, he pardons Joe Arpaio. Uh, and then he says, well, we're not really ending it. We're going to give Congress, a-. you know, it's it's back and forth and back and forth. And then the end of the day, he says, well, mm. I'll revisit this if Congress doesn't fix it. I mean, there's no coherence here, which is no, something none. that we've grown dangerously accustomed to from this administration. In the last seven months. And right. it's not a game, is what I was saying you know, just yeah. a, a little while ago. This is, this is, these are the lives and the futures of n- nearly 800,000 young undocumented immigrants. Those are the, that's the estimate for people already 
on the program, on the not program, just the total right. number no, of young undocumented right. immigrants who no, potentially like, be eligible. Lee just told us there are like two million of for those, DACA. but eight hundred thousand in the program. And also, the White House said yesterday, Sarah Huckabee Sanders said that they do not believe that this should be just a standalone fix. In essence, shutting the door on Congress passing a Dream Act style bill on its own. On its, yeah, when asked right. what would the president support, what would he sign? Uh, and by way of legislation, she said that they want to see an overall immigration reform that includes the wall, so border security of some kind, and other measures. They've talked about the RAISE Act, which would cut legal immigration, not illegal, legal immigration by half. Not even Republicans don't even support that in a majority. Yeah, so we're basically also, saying also, comprehensive immigration reform in six months. You think that's going to happen? They also asked for that. Remember, they announced this merit system to, for legal immigration. Yes, that's not part, so of, long part ago. of the RAISE Act. Yes. The Act. Yeah, so that's right. the one that would slash legal immigration by half and mm-hmm. switch to a merit-based system. Right. Now, Republicans do support moving and toward somewhat of a merit-based system down the road. That's a system that Canada has. It's a system that Australia has, I believe, as well. Certainly Canada. But, but actually, even a majority of Republicans in both chambers do not believe you should slash legal immigration by half because then you're just you're shutting down the door for the U.S. to be competitive with you know, the rest of the world and the global economy. Um, but also, look, Congress has no idea what to do here because they, they don't know that they have the votes for a standalone bill. There may, there may be more votes in the Senate than there are in the House, but it's really unclear. And, you know, Paul Ryan certainly said he hopes there could be a permanent legislative fix. That was his response to Trump's announcement. Well, this is the time to show that they're willing to bring this that bring that sort of legislation to the floor. But, you know, my response is, really? Mm-hmm. I mean, who are we kidding, right? I mean, this is a gang that couldn't get 51 votes to repeal Obamacare. Yeah. And yet, according to Politico this morning, Trump still wants them to re- still wants another vote on Obamacare, wants them to do that. He says they're going to get tax reform done. I guess he still talks about that they still have to keep the government, well, the debt ceiling. <laughs> the debt ceiling by September 29th. Right. Prevent a government shutdown by passing a government right. funding bill by yeah. September 30th. Right. Hurricane Harvey funding. Yeah. And, and that's and just there's going to be Irma funding, too. Irma you know funding. And flood insurance program. Flood, yeah. And then, yeah. Chip. And on top of that, you've got DACA. <laughs> and on top of that, you Children's know. health insurance program. Everything is set to expire. The FAA, they have to reauthorize. Yeah. I mean, that who too. are we kidding that they're going to get all this done? The, no the fact that the, the, the prospect of them even getting all of this done let alone taking a contentious vote on immigration, which Republicans who are fending off primary challenges from the right are not going to want to do going into 2018. And now there's the very real idea that Congress might think, well, maybe we've gotten some cover. If the president is tweeting, then he might revisit the issue. They might just, you know, Mm. pin Mm. their hopes on this idea that, well, maybe he'll just actually change his mind because he's essentially said, if we can't get it done, he'll revisit. All right. Which is... You're, you're right. That gives them a big out, really. That gives them a big out, but then there's no telling that he's going to revisit. And actually, Jeff Sessions, it's notable, I think, in his announcement, he didn't make the case, Jeff Sessions being the godfather of a lot of these anti-immigrant proposals, didn't make the case for there to be a DREAM Act-style bill at all. Not once did he really detail no. No. the benefits of giving permanent residency mm. uh, to these young undocumented well, immigrants. He talked about the RAISE Act, about slashing legal immigration by half, and he, he made connections to the surge in unaccompanied minors and gang violence, all of which 
is unrelated to DACA because unaccompanied minors who came here in 2014 from Central America wouldn't be eligible for DACA to begin with. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. so you know, there, well, there's a lot of falsehoods that Sessions they're perpetuating. has been the number one opponent of this legislation for the last 16 years, right? We, we know where he's coming right. from. Right. right. But insofar as he might uh, pre- prevent a worldview within this administration on whether or not these kids should have any legal or permanent status to begin with, he essentially implied, no, <laughs> we should be focused instead on that America first you know, platform that Trump campaigned on. Right. Now, there was what? one theory that someone, uh, and this is just someone tweeting today, that maybe maybe this was all done to humiliate Jeff Sessions. Um, but, I, but, you know, look, like you don't, you don't if you're if that's what Trump is after, uh, you don't do it by throwing into limbo 800,000 kids. No. We'll talk more about with uh, about DACA with uh, Congresswoman Stacy Plaskett mm-hmm. from the U.S. Virgin Islands, who joins mm. us uh, at the uh, at the half hour. Also, find out what they're doing to get ready for Hurricane Irma, mm-hmm. which looked like a direct hit on the U.S. Uh, Virgin Islands. Now, this is a little segue. One of the most uh, among the business community, by the way, I keep mentioning this because I think it's really significant that the U.S. Chamber of Commerce. Mm. You can't get more conservative, you can't get more big business than the U.S. Chamber of Commerce says Donald Trump was wrong, is mm-hmm. wrong in is ending wrong. the DACA program because they are making a great, great contribution to American businesses today. Yep. And among those businesses, the, the, the leaders who have been the most outspoken against what Donald Trump did are the leaders of the high-tech industry, Silicon yes. Valley, Google, yeah. Facebook, Mark Zuckerberg yesterday mm-hmm. coming out and saying- Even Goldman, the CEO of Goldman Sachs. Go- yes, <laughs> yes. Away from the tech right, industry for a moment, that. but just but, in terms uh, of- Tim Cook said, we are the, 250 dreamers working for Apple. We protect them. We're going to protect their status and fight for them, um, wh- which gets me to an article yeah. that you have written about um, Silicon Valley really um, becoming a power in Washington. Yes, uh, you know this has been a pretty steady uh, gro- growth and prominence, and the, the fascinating statistic that most people don't realize is that Silicon Valley now outspends Wall Street two to one, or at least they did Where, here in in Washington. At least they did in uh, 2016, well, according for to for lobbying. Um, a lot, now, that- now a lot of that comes from the the big five. And disproportionately so, Google. Google uh-huh. spends accounts for for most of that, and then you have companies like Apple, um, Amazon, Facebook. So you know you some of the tech giants. I would say Microsoft, Oracle are still very much up there uh, in terms of seeking ways of influence. But I but the interesting thing is, unlike Wall Street, they have a lot better PR, a much better image. One should say, and they're they're advocating for very different policies. I mean, they come across as clean, honest, mm-hmm. upright. You know, you don't think of their, their lobbyists as kind of the dirty lobbyist, right? Which, which yes. And by and, the way, there are ten thousand <laughs> lobbyists, registered lobbyists in Washington. Now, drain the swamp. We haven't seen that happen. No, uh, that doesn't count. Probably another five thousand or another ten who are. Not lobby, not registered not lobbyists, registered, right. but who actually are pretty much lobbyists. Yeah, yes, they're they're giving advice, legislative advice, mm-hmm. right? Strat- and then they just they just don't walk the halls, and so therefore they don't have to register. Yeah, so it's huge. 
It's huge, and and look, like with with Silicon Valley, they're they're kind of fascinating to watch because and what do they want, the Silicon Valley people? Well, a lot of times where they end up in, um, <laughs> I think, in better standing is advocating for private protect pri- privacy, and obviously, when you have younger consumers, that is one of their mm-hmm. utmost concerns. Um, you know, the NSA and its apparatus and this uh, and encryption and some of these battles that they've had with Congress where they believe that lawmakers are trying to make them essentially an arm of the government. Um, but then the flip side is one where one area where it's been a little bit controversial is this human trafficking bill in the Senate uh, to kind of combat sex trafficking. Um, the Silicon Valley is aggressively lobbying against that bill because it essentially uh, would would it's the the way that this bill is designed is to shut down websites um that might be used uh in the midst of you know of human trafficking um and 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 the and I think the silicon valley's argument is that you know there might be some bad actors but it doesn't mean that you amend the entire consumer decency act uh, which was, you know, initially to to combat online pornography and other such vices, but um, but you should not amend that because it's actually opening the door to 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 saying, well, today it's human traf it's human trafficking. Tomorrow, what else are you going to say is is a danger, um, a societal ill, if you say uh, that that we should now, you know, input again peel. Well, how I think, about the Daily in- Stormer? The Daily Stormer, um, I think Which they dropped. Their their argument is that the government wants tech companies to to basically be law enforcement agents. Now, some people think that's a stretch, but by essentially saying we don't know exactly how to resolve online sex trafficking, therefore, you know, we now need to to target and go after tech mm. companies. That are in, that in the views of the in the view of the government are not uh, going through appropriate channels and yep. regulating enough content, right? It's the regulation of content which is then a slippery slope. But again, yeah. you know, there are lawmakers who say this is silly. This is a very very narrow provision. We can all agree there have been bad actors that have um, taken advantage and, and of. What about you? You talk about a uh, um, a critic of Google who um, was fired, I guess, the Barry Lynn uh, for for. For criticizing Google, um, and not our Barry Lynn, not a different not, Barry not Lynn. Barry Lynn, who's head of the Americans United for Separation of Church and State, our good friend, but another Barry Lynn scholar, Barry Lynn, who worked at the New America Foundation, mm-hmm. fired for for um, from there for being. He says he was um, uh, studying the the, the high tech companies mm-hmm. and then became a critic of theirs, and there was a guy. Not so long ago, who was fired? Who said that uh, there's a reason why there are not more women? And right. So is it an industry? I guess that can't take criticism. Well, look, I think that the there's been there's been criticism of diversity and representation um, yeah. on both sides. And so this this memo that was released where this employee of Google was um, being critical. Uh, although making more of the adversarial argument almost against diversity, <laughs> um, that was that was what became I think the basis for firing this employee. The 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 idea in that case was this breach of of airing these concerns publicly, um, and I think that I think that the it's they they are they almost seem immune to criticism, but there's been this slow uh, skepticism 
of of you know i think i think i'm going to take it into a more broader okay. perspective where you remember the the antitrust case against microsoft in the 90s so that's kind of i think become part of the conversation once more is is the dominance of a handful of tech companies um, away from some of the more murkier questions of okay should employees criticize publicly should they not what mm-hmm. are their concerns what are they what are they revealing about internal company culture I mean that that's that's one that's well, one right. issue that's been raised yeah. where some of them that's, have been found to have more toxic cultures I think here in Washington the the the, the question you're starting to see raised more by people like Elizabeth Warren is this idea of antitrust. Should we bring right. back this question of whether or not a handful of companies are are, 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 are dominating the entire yeah. space? And Amazon, for mm-hmm. example, is one that is often mm-hmm. um, targeted in some of these discussions. If there's any, if there's any company yeah. that has put Main Street out of business in a very tangible way, it's Amazon because they're providing all of these services online. Now, I other know. people will say, well, they're doing innovation better than anyone else. Jeff but, Bezos is what, the richest man in the world right now? Is that yeah. what they say? Uh, you know, some they're just doing what other people have not been able to right. do. Now they've bought Whole Foods. Now they're providing I groceries. I, I mean, you know, at some point, I guess the question is, uh, is yes. this, you know, are, are the tech companies just just better at innovation than other people in the field are there real are there real are there real regulations that are that you could put in place to st- to stop that from well, with all those questions that explains why they have such a uh, um, more, uh, much greater presence now in Washington mm-hmm. DC dealing with that so Bernie Siddiqui with us here from the Guardian again Congresswoman Stacy Plaskett uh, joining us from the Virgin Islands uh, at the half hour all right now speaking of uh, criticism uh, you and I um, Spent a lot of time on the uh, 2016 presidential primary. We did. You were on the road. We were together up in New Hampshire one night um, with uh, Evan McMorris Santoro. We were for the big debate. Uh, we thought that uh, that primary was behind us, but uh, apparently not, because Hillary Clinton has a new book out called "What Happened," mm. in which she says. Yeah, I lost to Donald Trump, but it's not my fault. It's Bernie Sanders' fault. Uh, She says that Bernie ran a sexist campaign, that he didn't care about the Democratic Party. He was out to destroy the Democratic Party, not to help the Democratic Party. And basically that it's his fault that she lost to Donald Trump. I know how you feel about this. Sabrina, I'm sure you'd like to full-throatedly agree with Bill on this, right? No, my, my first question is, is this what the Democratic Party needs right now? So I think that there are a number of issues that Hillary Clinton has now pointed to for her defeat, um, including the unexpected, uh, unexpectedly protracted primary challenge from Bernie Sanders. I haven't in the book is where she really opens up in a more candid way about her her perceptions of the the style of his campaign it did get very ugly between both campaigns once they hit once they hit well i I would say ugly is ugly i've seen ugly ugly campaigns saying that hillary clinton took money from wall street banks is not ugly oh right i meant more so they got into a a, a, it was only for like a couple days this whole this whole uh, argument over unqualified i think that's probably the moment her campaign thought was um 
a little too to, to repeatedly say that she's unqualified. But she um, she said right. that he was unqualified. And so right, so there, there was I this, mean, there was this, there was that back and up. forth. That was honestly, frankly speaking, nothing compared to what was happening in the Republican primaries, no, where people exactly. are insulting one yeah. another's yeah. Li- wives yeah. and such. I think that. I think that the, the but, but again, I want to come back to my question. Is this what the Democratic Party needs? I think right they now? do not need to relitigate this. I think they need to. Um, so why doesn't she just shut up? <laughs> I well, I think that the book um, is something she wanted to do, and you know, people will tell her side of this story. Now, you know, timing is always going to be a question people raise. That this is a time when they need to come together, especially ahead of midterms. Yeah, they I can't mean, look have at this. The Democratic National Committee. I mean, Tom Perez wins over Keith Ellison. The first thing they did was they formed a bond, right. a, a, a partnership. Keith Ellison and Tom Perez together, the Bernie guy and the Hillary guy together, we're going to rebuild the Democratic Party. So my thing, my and that's where the party is going. And then Hillary says, no, well, no, is she, is she... I want to refight this primary. Well, I guess the question would be, is her book really going to have that kind of impact? I mean, she's kind of irrelevant in the in the scheme of like, where does Democratic Party go from here? You know, it's going to get a lot of attention. I get it'll get a lot of media play because she's Hillary Clinton. I think you'll get a lot of media play, but my question is. I feel like we'll talk about it here in D.C. It'll be all over cable news. But as far as the party infrastructure and what the DNC is doing and what, you know, Democrats in Congress choose to do, to what extent is that affected by Hillary Clinton's book? I I really think this is bad for the Democratic Party. (laughs) And I'm, I'm trying to separate my position as a Bernie guy. She's wrong about Bernie. So my my She's wrong about Bernie. He did not. She he did not cause her to lose the election. She lost the election on her own. And what he did was good for the Democratic Party, I believe, because the Democratic Party needed a kick in the ass. Mm -hmm. And he's out there right now trying to elect Democrats all over the the country. But but that's one thing. What I'm saying is right now, the last thing we need is to go back. And the problem with this is that this is going to really piss off the Bernie people. All these people, also the new people who came into the party because of Bernie, he attracted them to the party. And now Hillary Clinton is saying... You're bad for us. We don't want you. So two no, things, just, in my ins- view. It's insane. So two things. One is, I think that, and I haven't read the book yet, so I'm going to have to wait and but see. But I read the entire page about Bernie. The page Bernie. about Bernie. Now, I, I think that a couple, two things. One is, I think that she certainly was at the receiving end of a lot of sexist attacks in the general from Republicans. I didn't believe Bernie to be sexist in the way that he campaigned Mostly they were having a debate of ideas, a yeah. debate that they should have had over issues like health care, single payer versus Obamacare, about the minimum right. wage, 11 versus yeah. 15. Um, you know, there were days here and there where they both kind of were lobbying attacks and, and one started or the other started. It. That's, you know, we can have that conversation. Not that any of us want to. Um, but but but. Yes, of course, Hillary Clinton has weathered a lot of sexism and she continued to do so in 2016 from Trump who was her general election opponent from the media, from Republicans who, you know, in the, in, there were, the, the way she was yeah. covered was very gendered. And there are multiple reasons why she, she lost. Not, not, I think Russia and Comey and all of mm-hmm. that was a factor. She gets vilified every time she says that. It was a factor. Oh, and then, of course, she made sure a lot of a mistakes factor. herself. Her campaign clearly did not have, um, were not as effective in executing the ground game as they had claimed to be. There were, there were, there were multiple things that happened Race and okay. and it, it, you can't 
okay, I'll just squeeze. He can't take yeah. race out of this. But look, my my question would be, where does de- where do Democrats go from here? Look, Kamala Harris, who's rumored to be a candidate for 2020, came out in favor of single payer. I think, like, look, uh, they clearly seem to, to acknowledge uh, uh, Bernie. I'll and- tell you where Democrats go from here. They don't go where Hillary Clinton wants to go. <laughs> I'd like to read some tweets. Uh, this is clearly a charged up issue. Uh, if you didn't get that when Bill was pounding the table earlier. <laughs> yeah. First, I'll start with somebody who agrees with you, Bill. Uh, Bab says, woo woo, red meat for her base. Hillary took all of her supporters talking points to sell books. Hashtag I'm responsible. Uh, now, on the other side of things, Deborah says to you, Bill, did you attack and blame Gore and Carrie so viciously? You're a sore loser because Bernie lost. Wait, wait, whoa, whoa, whoa. I, I don't remember Gore or Carrie coming out and blaming their primary opponent for losing the election. Right. That's my point. That's uh, up. She lost the election, an election no Democrat should have lost. A couple more comments on Twitter. If we're Gore at, had been a poor loser, I would have blamed him, of course. We're at BP Show. SES says... <laughs> Actually, she won. The Electoral College effed it up. And Miguel... <laughs> well, I agree with that, and I've said that. I think this is a the good point is to end on Is she in the White House here. today? Mm, She's not. No. Miguel says, bigger issue, will Democrats unite or continue to bicker about this BS, all the while Republicans ignite their bigoted base? Uh, by the way, that's my point. Of course Democrats should unite, and Democrats are united. And now Hillary yeah. is throwing a turd in the punch bowl. Sorry to use that phrase again. Um... <laughs> Visually, go. it's not a great phrase. All right, we're finished with that discussion. Uh, we have more important things to talk about. Will Congress do what the president wants on DACA? And what about Hurricane Irma? Good Congresswoman from the U.S. Virgin Islands joins us next with Sabrina Siddiqui staying here as a friend of Bill. You know, our country has to keep our promise to these young people. And so the leaders in Congress, and I'll speak for the Senate side, you know, we're going to have to lead by example. And if we expect and want the young people of our country to live responsibly and to follow the rules and play by the rules, then we should too. Follow us on Twitter at BP Show. This is The Bill Press Show. Live video, Bill's commentary, the best clips from the show, all in one place. YouTube.com slash The Bill Press Show. And we roll right along here with The Bill Press Show on this Wednesday, September 6th. Good to have you with us uh, coast to coast uh, on uh, The Bill Press Show. We're coming to you live from our nation's capital, Washington, D.C. Joining you, of course, on YouTube, YouTube.com slash The Bill Press Show on Free Speech TV and uh, all out in the greater Chicago area on WCPT, the progressive voice of Chicagoland. And we're brought to you today by the American Federation of Teachers. Yes, indeed, the great teachers of America. They're back in the classroom uh, all across the country right now doing a great job, as always, doing the Lord's work under the leadership of President Randy Weingarten. Uh, A salute to America's teachers and thanks for sponsoring the program. Sabrina Siddiqui, our good friend, political reporter from The Guardian, here for the entire hour as a friend of Bill. And we are joined by uh, the Honorable Congresswoman Stacey Plaskett from the U.S. Virgin Islands. Congresswoman, it's good to see you. Thanks, Thanks for, for coming me. in on your way to work today. You yep, know, we're yep, it's right on the route. So. Just, just, just down <laughs> the street. Stop downstairs. From the, from the, that's Got why my little... Um, 
croissant and up up here with you guys. We like uh, being on Capitol Hill because that way we can just snag members of Congress on their way to work in the morning. You know, <laughs> right. uh-huh. yeah, it works out with that well. So the most importantly, you from the U.S. Virgin Islands, the the map that I saw last night on the news of Hurricane Irma. It was in a direct line for the U.S. Virgin Islands. Right. What can you tell us today? Well, overnight, uh, thank God, it has veered a little north, <coughs> notched up mm. a little bit. So we're not going to get the eye of the storm. Unfortunately, places like Barbuda, St. Martin, um, Anguilla actually got direct hits. Oof. But because it's a Category 5 and because uh, they have right now winds uh, up to 185 miles per hour, even though we're 20 miles uh, south of the eye, mm. we're still going to get sustained winds about 110 to 150 on St. Thomas. St. Croix, which is further south, will get less. Um, so spoke uh, with the what? governor on the way in. Mm-hmm. Um, he says everyone is off the roads. People have really done a good job of boarding up. And so the weather is starting to deteriorate right now. And you must be used to dealing with hurricanes, too. Uh, right? Interestingly, we have not had a, a, a hurricane like this in quite a number of years. Really? Lots yeah. of tropical storms. Mm-hmm. Um, but we sustained some of the most horrendous hurricanes in 1989 with Hugo on St. Croix, 1994 with Marilyn on St. Thomas. Uh, which completely devastated the islands, which means that since then, we've really brought things up to code. Um, we're very hurricane-proof. People really have are very good at um, boarding stuff up, sheltering, getting our elders to where they need to be, and making sure that we're ready. I'm just thinking, I mean, in terms of the mainland, mm-hmm. where they've had to evacuate, um, you got a lot of possibilities. There are not a lot of possibilities for evacuation on an island. Exactly, right? <laughs> exactly. You know, and then when you have a commercial flight stop a day or two before. Yeah. So people just need to get prepared. Uh, we have a good relationship with the hotels. So at the yesterday, we had about 5,000 tourists that were still on the island. Oh, wow. uh, and so talking with the hoteliers. St. Croix or St. Thomas? St. Thomas. St. Thomas. And yeah. St. Croix. More on St. Thomas. So really talking with them about, listen, we don't want this to believe that that was their vacation. So let's make them as comfortable as possible, really prepare them for the weather. And hopefully the airports will open up um, by Thursday afternoon, Friday morning. Mm -hmm. That's the ultimate rain check, Sabrina, I guess. It is. It is. So so Congress actually (laughs) is voting today on some initial emergency funding for... Hurricane Harvey, or the House, I should say, right. um, that's going to then be kicked over to the Senate where mm-hmm. they're going to attach the debt limit. That's mm-hmm. the plan. Kick it back to the House. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, also, the flood insurance program has to be reauthorized. Yep. Um, is it your sense that these issues have lost like the, some of the kind of partisanship that's been associated with them in the past? Or do you still are you still concerned that your Republican colleagues, especially those who are part of the Freedom Caucus are going to stake out some sort of ground here um, and try and block some of that Right. Money. Well, I had a conversation yesterday evening with uh, Lita McCarthy mm-hmm. uh, talking about the path that this legislation was going to take. Uh, our first, my initial concern was, okay, is this Harvey-specific or is this, but it's not, it's FEMA in general. So oh, oh, it is yeah. funding that is going to FEMA 
and it will be FEMA's discretion as to how the money is spent. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and that will take them through, uh, through through this time period until it's time for reauthorization again. How much money are we talking about? Mm-hmm. Uh, eight billion, a little over eight billion. Eight billion. Mm-hmm. Uh, which you know is a drop in the bucket for what Harvey, what Houston, they're saying is going to mean. One hundred billion, one hundred fifty, one hundred fifty, one hundred sixty billion is about what uh, Houston, Houston, Louisiana is going to need. We don't know what the assessment is going to be from the Virgin Islands and Puerto Rico, uh, even South Florida, when this hurricane is done, Uh, because it's now going through. uh, It's being north of us. It means that it's going to continue in, with its strength uh, as it hits Cuba and then goes into uh, southern Florida, which should be around Friday evening, mm-hmm. um, which means that there'll be some damage. Uh, and so I've talked with when I talked with them, they, of course, said, listen, we understand the need. We're going to work on it. We do have to, on the Senate side, attach the debt ceiling to it. Or else there won't be a there way to be. pay for it. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, but I'm I'm with you. I'm a little concerned about what the Freedom Caucus will do when that's kicked back uh, in terms of it being the debt ceiling. And even in the Senate, what does someone like Ted Cruz do, mm-hmm. you know, if the debt ceiling is attached to the funding for support? What will those votes be? <clears throat> so this is a real gut check, a real morality check for a lot of these members. And uh we're yep. going to be working the the floor quite a bit to make Given sure Given the this needs happens. of Texas and the reality of Hurricane Harvey, he may become a born again fiscally responsible person who agrees to raise, <laughs> who agrees to raise the. Uh, debt I love ceiling. that fiscally responsible <laughs> as opposed to fiscally conservative, right? <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, Perhaps yeah. we'll see what. Uh, you know, I was talking well, to uh, Richie Neal yesterday, and he said, "Everywhere I go, I- I've never heard people mm-hmm. say government is too big." I've heard them say they want government to work for them, mm-hmm. but never that it's too big. So yeah. this this has just got to get done. We saw Hurricane Harvey, the biggest storm, the worst, most destructive storm to hit the continental United States. And now within a week comes Hurricane Irma, which the people are saying is the biggest storm, or at least certainly one of the biggest ever on the Atlantic. Yes. Because is there something going on here that maybe we ought to you be think thinking? It may be, you may be, think it may be climate uh, Do you think maybe? Change? Yeah. Something, something we've heard of. Well, I, you know, I'm a member of the Climate Solutions Caucus, uh, which was started by Ted Deutsch along with um, uh, Carbello, mm-hmm. Carlos Carbello. Yeah. And it is a truly bipartisan caucus. You have to find a member of the opposite side to join with you oh, before right? you can join. Oh, that's cool. yeah. um, and, you know, we're <laughs> about f- over 40 members strong who recognize that, and a lot of us are on the coast, who recognize that this is a serious issue and we have to come up with solutions for this. I noticed that the number of members who were joining uh, increased uh, incrementally <laughs> after uh, the president it, issued his statement about the Paris. Oh, agreement. really? Yeah. Oh, yeah. But you know, so pe- what do so- you do? Sorry, what do, when the president yeah. himself says falsely, but says that climate change is a hoax? Mm-hmm. When you have a climate denier in the Oval Office, right? What do you do? How do you break past that? Well, I mean, what the uh, caucus is attempting to do is find legislation that looks at solutions. Uh, never mind talking about the science. Mm-hmm. Not really focusing on the science but focusing on alternative energy, focusing on reducing uh, carbon footprint, 
talking about job creation in the area of alternative energy so that we can find the actual solutions that we all know is necessary um, without actually talking about the science itself. So just bypass the person who doesn't want to hear that it's not real and just go to the next step, which is how do we fix it? Right. And this is the answer. I mean, I think, Sabrina, is what this what this ca- uh, mm-hmm. caucus is pushing, as, as well as what states are doing and what some cities are doing. I mean, Governor Jerry Brown in California is you know, basically the king of climate change today because no leadership from Washington is always saying the states have to do it. Right. And California is big enough to be, it, it, yeah, to have an influence. To do right. it on its own. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, even China is doing uh, great things in this area. Well, really. Beijing saw an no, opportunity because the U.S. abdicated leadership by pulling out of the Paris Climate Accord. Right, right. No, they still have a long way to go. <laughs> uh, now, you, members of Congress, have a big challenge. The president uh, dropped a uh, hot potato in your lap yesterday DACA. called DACA. Right. How realistic, Congresswoman, is it that uh, the Congress, which has been wrestling with this issue for some 20 years probably, the DACA bill has been around for the Dreamers Act for 16 years. Right. How realistic is it that you're going to fix it in six months? Well, you know, I think we got a lot of things on our plate working right now. Um, of course, there's still discussion about we have the debt ceiling that you've talked about, appropriations that are necessary, <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, infrastructure bill, a tax reform that needs yeah. to be done. Um, and I think this is just one more piece. I think that the uh, legislation will be forced onto the floor, um, whether it passes or not. I I have no clue what the numbers look like at this point. I think that it's really bringing it to the forefront of individuals' minds and that members are going to have to take a vote. Um, And once again, this is going to be another one of those votes where people are going to have to just put up or shut up. You hear uh, Speaker Ryan saying that he agrees that something needs to be done. Well, let's just discreetly remove this from the rest of the immigration discussion Uh, Let's not tie it to any larger immigration bill. And let's have a forced vote specifically on the issue of these young individuals who are productive members of our society, who are doing what they're supposed to be doing, no fault of their own, how they got here. Well, the White House said yesterday, or suggested at least, uh, Sarah Huckabee Sanders, the press secretary, that the president would not sign or support a standalone fix a dream exile bill to give these daca recipients uh legal status or a path to permanent residency and reiterated the president's desire for his wall along the u.s mexico border there's been some talk of potentially tying um the fate of dreamers to funding for the wall is that something that you would support um no, I don't support it, and I don't agree. I don't even um, believe what Sarah Huckabee says because we see that the president has done things that he initially said he was not going to do. Mm-hmm. I mean, the wall is not even supposed to be paid for by Americans, right? It's yeah. supposed to be paid for by Mexico. So he reneged on that promise. So the promise that he's not going to sign anything that is specifically just for DACA is not something that I'm going to um, mm-hmm. hold them to. Uh, He may sign it and then do an executive letter attached to it saying, sad, so sad that Congress has not been able to do this on its own. I'm signing it. Which he's done before. Yes, exactly. exactly. So what what is your response to that we heard so much yesterday from the White House? We love the dreamers. We love them. We have a big heart. But, you know, we're a nation of laws and we have to... 
We have to enforce the law, and it's just too bad, but, you know, the rule rule of law. Right. Well, you know, two things to that. Um, I also heard him say that these are not children. Um, Most of them are young adults right now, so it's not like we're putting out children. Yeah. Um, But, again, they did not specifically break the law because you cannot be a child uh, and have intent at the age that many of them came here. They were children uh, when, so, they, came, when right. they were brought here. So, yeah. you know, having been a prosecutor, you can't put somebody on the stand and hold them to something at the age of six or seven, which is the average age. And the second portion of that is that I heard someone, you know, on um, MSNBC or CNN the other day say that every law that we have doesn't mean that it's a just law. I mean, women weren't allowed to vote. Uh, people were slaves. Uh, other groups didn't have uh, specific rights in the past. Gays were not allowed to marry. Those were the law. It doesn't mean that the law is correct. And we as members of Congress are uh, charged with creating laws and fixing laws. And that's where it should it should be with us. And we need to make this happen. I also but- enjoy how some of these some of these kids are very much kids because you know they've all qualified at different points in time but Donald Trump Jr who is in his mid to late 30s was just a a good boy who is learning the ropes when he sent those emails suggesting he was open to colluding with Russia. The emphasis was, oh, he's a kid. It was naive. He's a good boy. Right, right. But he's, t- mm-hmm. you know, someone who's maybe 20 or 18 who's just trying to stay here and go who's to college. Just doing what their parents, you know, uh, went you know, with their They were parents, brought here right. when they were maybe three or four and yeah. have never known any other country. They're, yeah. they're young adults. They mm-hmm. really need to mm-hmm. start taking responsibility mm-hmm. for being brought here when they were two or three or yeah. six months old. As if they're 18 or 19 for serving in the military or having a job sure. and... Sure. And, and paying taxes and therefore... Well, these these are the people that we want to keep. That's exactly. why we're America, um, because we create these opportunities and because we're able to bring in new workforces, new ideas, new energy. Think about us giving uh, citizenship and, 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 you know, allowing them to stay what loyal Americans they will be and the message this would send to the rest of the world. I think we're losing an opportunity by doing the right thing in this in this instance. Uh, I just have to, just a quick comment on this rule of law argument, too. First of all, remembering that it was Ronald Reagan back in the 80s, right, who mm. actually uh, mm-hmm. uh, said, he yes, actually... they broke the law, but they're here, they're productive members of this country. We're not going to deport them all. So let's grant them Amnesty. amnesty. He called it he amnesty. Did. Yes. yes. Their yes. hero, Ronald Reagan. And right? he yeah. not only gave amnesty to those younger people, but he created amnesty yeah. for a whole slew of, yes. of immigrants right. who had come to George this country. George H.W. Bush was very supportive of them. George yeah. W. Bush was supportive of comprehensive immigration reform course, and a path to citizenship. Well, we're in and a different we've moved realm. Away. This is, this is, right. We've moved away. We all know that this president cannot be compared to the other Republican mm-hmm. presidents who are sitting in the Oval Office and definitely not the Democrats. This We're in an we're in a completely new realm here. Plus, final word, I say, you talk to me. Don't talk to me about the rule of law when you just pardon Joe Arpaio. Oops. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Right. Drop mic. Yes. There you go. <laughs> what does that say about your respect for the uh, for the rule of law? Yeah. So overall, you know, look, you're back. Mm-hmm. Um, I counted up the other day on your calendar the 48 days that you will be in session supposedly working days between now and the end of the year. For most Americans, there are a lot more days that they'll be working. Well, now, working in Congress, that doesn't mean that we're not working at home, right? Right? Mm -hmm. Right? 
And a lot of these discussions go on behind closed doors and are not while we're here. True. I mean, during the August True. recess, the leadership has been meeting and having these discussions and engaged in this activity. So I think that there's a lot of things that are going to happen that are not happening while we're in front of the camera. Well, my so my question is, and you, you listed some of the challenges that you've got in front of you. I mm-hmm. mean, there is DACA now, right? There is Harvey there's uh, and, uh, and Irma funding, right? Mm-hmm. There's, there's the debt ceiling. There's keeping the government running. There's immigration reform. There's tax reform. There's Donald Trump still wants another vote on health care. Sure, there's and inf- there's North Korea. There's infrastructure. Let's not forget that. There's North Korea. How how much of this do you think realistically Congress is going to be able to accomplish well, by the end of the year? Well, if there were more women, probably a lot because Good you know for, we yes, can get right. a lot done. You can multitask. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> oh yeah. Uh, but you know, I I'm cons- <laughs> I think that those things which don't have deadlines are ones that may be pushed off. Mm. Um, but like the, tax reform? Like tax reform, like an infrastructure package. Yeah. But the things which are have hard deadlines, like the debt ceiling, like appropriations, I think those are the ones that are going to be and at like the forefront. The emergency mm. hurricane fund. Exactly, yeah. exactly. And DACA? Um, well, we got 60 days, right? Yeah, of course, that puts it into March 2018. <laughs> yeah, that, <laughs> that, that's another reality. Suddenly right. looming up, isn't it? Right. 2018. 2018. <laughs> I was going to say, do you think Republicans want to vote on something like DACA going into these midterms where some of them are well, facing these primary challenges from the right? Right. Uh, you know, and I think that maybe for some of them, they they would rather hold it off. Uh, I was talking a couple of weeks ago with my good friend, um, Jennifer Gonzalez-Colón, who's the representative from Puerto Rico, and there may be a vote on Puerto Rico statehood. Mm. <clears throat> and I expressed to her, you know, I think strategically, We're let's vote wi- in the islands or here? Uh, here be, um, on the House floor because Ooh. the island already voted that they wanted statehood yeah. uh, overwhelmingly. So, you know, with regard to that, I said to her, listen, <laughs> let's try and get it to the floor after the Republican primaries mm. and before. Uh, the general election, right, where people have already staved off whoever they need from their extreme flank and they have a little leeway and need to then move back towards the middle for a general election. Uh, that may be the time to put some of these really controversial matters uh, in front of for a vote with with the members who are facing extreme right or even extreme left. How would you vote on that? On which one? Oh, totally in favor of it. I mean, the people of Puerto Rico have spoken resoundingly that they want to be a state. Uh, They are larger per cap in terms of population than 36 states with over three million people. Mm -hmm. And many of the problems that the territories face is simply because of the structural uh, fundamental structural difference in how the federal government treats us in terms of representation and in terms of funding. Our formulas are different. Many, uh, All of the uh, territories were left out of the Affordable Care Act in terms of having an exchange. Mm-hmm. Our funding for Medicaid, that. yeah, mm-hmm. our funding for Medicaid is completely uh, different than the others. We're capped immediately. Um, we only get 55% of uh, a match that the other states do. When, our, in terms of population, we should be treated like Mississippi, Uh, and have 88 percent funded by the federal government. So I think that that would cause change a lot of the structural problems that Puerto Rico has and put them in a right position to for economic recovery. Is there a way of uh, equalizing the 
treat the way the territories are treated in terms of per capita funding or whatever for Medicare sure. and the rest without short of statehood? Sure, Congress doing it. Uh, yeah, but they're, right. they're unwilling to do that uh, <laughs> because they're like, oh, you're a territory, so you need to be treated different. I mean, listen, constitutionally, uh, no one was at the framers did not think that anybody would be a territory for over 100 years. It's just interesting that they started uh, keeping them as territories when these populations became predominantly people of color, mm-hmm. whether it be in Guam or Puerto Rico, the Virgin Islands, Northern Marianas. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so uh, in the turn of the century, 1900s, the same uh, justice who wrote the opinion in Plessy v. Ferguson wrote an opinion for the territories that said that the in the call, the insular cases that said that these people are of alien races. This is Taney. Mm. Yep. yep. And Taney? said that uh, really? that said that they cannot Whoa. understand Anglo-Saxon principles of law. And so we need to treat them differently. Uh, never mind that the Virgin Islands uh, gave the United States Alexander Hamilton, which actually created your laws. Uh, so yeah. the fact that we're alien that. nations that don't understand, <laughs> alien yeah. races that don't understand Anglo-Saxon principles is pretty and I, amusing. And I guess the argument of geographic proximity uh, was lost when Hawaii became exactly. a state, right? And exactly. So you can't say you've got right. to be territory. A certain size, uh, right? Or, or, or you know, touching. It's touching uh, the right. United States. Yeah. Mm-hmm. True with Alaska, too, actually. Yeah. But uh, so I, I, I think the deciding factor with Puerto Rico is what's the voter registration? Is it Democratic or Republican? Split, because they have a Republican <sighs> member of Congress and um, a Democratic no, governor. I'm, obviously, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, and it's interesting. <laughs> it's it's really kidding, interesting but, because but. people are always of the assumption that most of us are Democrats. Um, and in each one of the territories, uh, the two top positions are split between the parties. They oh, either really? have a Republican governor and a Democratic member of Congress or a Republican member of Congress and a Democratic uh, governor. So Yeah. Which is not all bad. No, no, no. it keeps it interesting. <laughs> but you're going to you're going to pitch them a better deal. That's what I hear. Uh, <laughs> that was a, that was that was low. That was uh, low. No, no, I say it out of that's the message. Congresswoman, we just scratched the surface here, but so great yeah. to see you. It's Thanks so, great so much to be for with coming you guys. In. Thanks Thank for you. waking me up this morning and getting right. the day started. Good luck thanks getting for everything, everything you done. Do. And Sabrina, thanks again for coming in. And right. and just continue to pray for us with her and for the is the Bill Press Show. One, two, three, four. Those are numbers. But you already knew that. If you want to know what number you're going to pay each month for your car, use Kelly Blue Book My Wallet on AutoTrader. They're really good at numbers. AutoTrader.